Hello and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Starfinder, finally. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. I want you to know if you heard that snap, it's because I gave finger guns. And I don't know why, but I did. You know what? I I imagined that those were finger guns. So, you know, it worked. <laughs> I'm glad that we know each other that well. That over over the internet, I can I can get finger guns across just with a snap. Okay, so Starfinder is out. It's legit out. We have the books. We can look at everything. Talk about everything. Uh, man, I don't even know. There's like so much to talk about. Where do we want to start? Uh, well, we could start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Um, in that, I kind of want to say, let's start at. The character creation stuff. Okay. Just because everything's a little bit different than Pathfinder. And and I think, honestly, most of the interesting thing about Starfinder right now is the differences between it and Pathfinder. Right. In a lot of ways. At at least for for us as Pathfinder uh, grognards, as it were. Grognards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. (sighs) But okay, I, so, um, uh, well, I, uh, where does character creation even start at this point? Uh, I, I feel like the, the first thing to talk about is ability score. Ability okay. score uh, yeah, assignment. I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at the steps, and it says, you know, I actually kind of think that this is an interesting order. It says, choose a character concept, which I think is great. Then a race. Okay. Then a theme. And then on top of that, a class. Like, that's the order that they want you to go in theoretically which i find very interesting you know like wouldn't wouldn't you think that maybe like theme would come later or like theme would come first i mean theme is at the end of the character creation chapter therefore like chronologically in the book it comes first that's interesting yeah i i, I feel like i feel like i feel like they want you to choose theme uh, relatively early uh like right after your race kind of so that you choose the theme outside of like i think what they really want is your theme to be more about your character than it is about the the, the crunch yeah yeah um and so by having you pick your theme first you theoretically make that choice independent of your class even though you know since every theme is key to an ability score there's going to be a theme that's better suited for whatever class you're playing um although it is in my at least in in my thoughts a small enough bonus that you can easily go outside of that um, <laughs> do you feel like do you feel like it's more worthwhile to uh, to like take a bonus that'll boost your like main stat or something? Um, it depends. Um, I'm gonna and this this actually ties in with ability scores. Um, I think if you're playing a race that isn't normally suited to your class, right? Like in the Starfinder game um, that I'm gonna be playing in soon, I'm gonna be playing a Han mechanic, and Hans have a mild penalty to intelligence which is one of the important scores i think it is important for me to take scholar in that situation but if your your race is already well suited to your class stat wise um it's you're kind of free to do whatever you want and kind of shape out one of the secondary characteristics of your uh of your character gotcha Uh, would you agree with that uh yeah that makes uh that makes a good amount of sense um there's been a lot of talk about this with my part starfinder group because charles is like woefully have i talked about this he is like woefully stuck between being a theater kid and playing a kasatha which he wants to play but knowing that lashuntas are better solarians which like appeals to his captain crunch sensibilities yeah i i I think that starfinder like just kind of on that note 
Starfinder is much better about letting you play an off race than Pathfinder was, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I feel definitely. like playing a Dwarven Sorcerer... My gold standard is, can you play a Dwarven Sorcerer? Um, and uh, Dwarven Sorcerer doesn't work in Pathfinder. I don't think it's just too too heavy. It's Although, just tough to put together. Yeah, I think using the rules, the character creation rules in Starfinder, regardless of the fact there are no Sorcerers in Starfinder... Um, that you could put together a Dwarven Star uh, Sorcerer or a Dwarven uh, Envoy, I guess, um, and not have a ton of problems. Um, uh, and I think the big, big part of this is, to, to go back to what I was saying with, with the ability scores, is that the ability scores, I think, are a lot more flexible than they have in the been in the past because they don't have this weird scaling aspect that they did in Pathfinder. Right. Um, uh, for those of you at home who do not know, uh, the way ability scores work is you start with 10 in everything, you apply your racial modifiers, you apply your theme modifier, and then you have 10 points to spend however you want, and it's one for one. It's not like Pathfinder, where as you go up more, um, you have to pay more points. Um, the only caveat is is you're hard capped at 18 for any one in particular skill, which I think is pretty great. Um, I think this lets you lets you kind of play off off race characters much more easily. Um, you have to inv obviously invest a lot more in the primary skills. The, the fact that it caps at eighteen um, also means that like you don't have to worry about like potentially pushing yourself to the the right place. Um, to... Yeah, the ma the math on it is kind of complicated, but it's one of those things where it's like okay, so like. In the Pathfinder system, if I'm an elf and I'm getting plus two decks, if I already invest a bunch of my point by points into decks, those two points that I get for free off of my race actually have like an effective value much, much higher. Right. Yes. Because like if I put a 16 in there, okay, well that's like nine points or whatever, like nine of your 15 points. And if I wanted to get two more to go to 18, that's like, you know, a huge, huge point, you know, it's like a, like a huge other point investment. And so those two, those two points kind of take on like a representative value that is like over, overpowered, right? Whereas for the Dwarven Sorcerer, right, um, you know, getting plus two, um, uh, sorry, detracting two points from Sorcerer has the opposite value, right? And so you get right. those big swings. But in, but in Starfinder, because everything is one-to-one, -one, no matter what, all of those, you know, like those plus twos and minus twos are going to be... Uh, equivalent in value, and so you're not going to kind of like lose outright from the get go. Yeah, I also think that the uh, the the ability score increases. Um, the new way that they do that as your character advances also helps with this. Um, uh, for it's every five levels you pick. I believe it's four scores, and if the score is below seventeen, you increase the score by two, and if it's seventeen or above, you increase the score by one. So you can so you can very easily like pump your score to 16 and then jump up the the last two points at level five and you're not you're not so far behind because somebody who pumped it to 18 is only going to get themselves to 19 um with yeah that. i definitely think that that's the, the the right way to play i think the system incentivizes you to sit at thir or 16s mm. um so although i i do think that if you really want to kind of push it out you play a race that's well attuned you pick your, your um, oh, actually, you can't. You can't pick your, your theme can't push you above 18. That's right. Never mind. Um, the, the, the cap at 18 is actually super important, I think, for this. Definitely. Um, 
because um, you can't do any tricks to get your you can't do any tricks to get yourself above 18. Um, at level five, um, the person at 18 is going going to be a point ahead, but not but only a point ahead, which um, will only really matter at like level 10. Right. Um, uh, which which is for you know I I, I th there's enough kind of stat manipulation in this game in the in the first place with, with all the um the tech which we'll get to later, uh, that um it it really fuzzes these edges really well um and I like that right uh, I I I think there's an appropriate amount of effort you have to put into play in and essentially an off race, um, but it's not impossible and I really like that, um, uh but yeah um. Uh, is there anything about ability scores that strikes you as particularly different this time around? Um, um, uh, outside of that stuff, I think it's all pretty, it's all pretty much the same, the same stuff. I think the, the, the one other big thing is that constitution no longer kind of has like its baseline importance just because of like how stamina and, um, uh, uh stamina and hit points have been smoothed out over, uh, like like the 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 line is no longer rolls it's just you get static numbers um right. per level like i think that change has a kind of it's not a huge effect right but it is an effect that diminishes the importance of having constitution constitution used to be the only way to get consistent hit point values right because otherwise you're rolling a dice and you can roll three ones you know what i mean okay, kind of you're a saying thing. yeah um, but now you no longer have to worry about that aspect of it, and so it's a little bit less important just to create consistency, and it's more just if you need to pump, you know what I mean? Like, if you need to pump your con to stay in melee, that that is... Uh, yep, that's what happens kind of thing. I feel like con... I, th I feel like they have, a, like, in, in counteraction to that kind of, like, reduction of importance of Constitution, I think the fact that stamina points replenish as easily as they do um, makes... Con uh, equivalently or at least similarly increases the importance of constitution because that's kind of like an extra couple of points um not just at every level up and um you know, i would actually say that the opposite is true that that increases the value of the of the abilities that keyed to your resolve right and that the ability that you can use essentially another ability stat to to refund hit points also diminishes constitution a bit yeah, except your resolve points get, get, are can be used for other things, and you can't use resolve in the middle of combat to restore your hit points. Right, right. Right. Every time you use one of your resolve points, Constitution gives you more hit points back for it. Um, and I, I see, I see your point, but I do, I do think that making making it part of stamina, so making it incre like making those temporary hit point or not temporary, the, <sighs> making that fundamental part of your hit point pool replenishable makes it makes it slightly more important over the course of a day uh okay yeah i mean i don't think that con i i think constitution is kind of outwardly too powerful in pathfinder like too meaningful okay um and so i think that this kind of brings it more more or less in line uh with uh, uh that's kind fair. of yeah 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 with kind of like everything else but uh, it's kind of the only thing that I feel like had a really major, major change associated with it. I also think, to a certain extent, strength isn't as valuable because encumbrance works differently and is a little bit more, um, 
Uh, like, I actually found it kind of hard to bulk up super hard on my mechanic. Um, and I put 10 points into, you know, like, I put points into strength so that it would be at a 10. But I think I might just let it go down to an 8 because it's pretty easy to sit at um, a good encumbrance level. Uh, even with a mechanic with, like, all this extra, like, random bullshit that I've bought. Uh, see, um, I think that, I think, but did you put, like, the storage module on your drone or something? Uh, no, I bought a I bought an industrial backpack, which uh. increases your bulk by two. Uh, okay, 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 that makes sense. Um, I was gonna say, I think that strength, like sim, like for kind of the same reasons, strength is a little bit more important, and that's if if only because the fact that bulk is easier to calculate means that people will actually use it in Starfinder. Like I found, I found that the encumbrance rules mostly got ignored in Pathfinder just because they were a pain in the ass to to deal with. Um, and the fact that it's so much more streamlined, I think, will will mean that more GMs will actually use it and make that concern much more real. But um, I do think that kind of the emphasis on ranged combat and guns um, has kind of had a deleterious effect on strength and um, an increasing effect on decks, which kind of its own ball of wax. But, like, I feel like every class need like, whereas... In Pathfinder, everybody wanted a little bit of constitution to have a little bit more hit points. I feel like everybody wants a little bit of dex to be able to shoot things well, um, which uh, I think would be more of a problem if it wasn't so universal, if that makes sense. Um, like, the fact that everybody needs it, I think, means that it's... it's Even though, yes, everybody needs to put points into it, because everybody does it, it doesn't make it... it, it uh, since it's powerful for everybody, it, it's not like it's it, it's a problem. Did you follow me? I, I know I'm not speaking super clearly. Uh, yeah, that makes a certain amount of sense, I guess. Um, I think that the... Um, uh, what do I think? <sighs> yeah, I think that that's pretty compelling. Uh, you, it, it does really get ignored a lot of the time, so... Uh, you, like, actually having a system to, to, to focus on it um, is helpful uh, to making, like, strength impactful. Um, I kind of don't know how much I agree with the ranged combat thing. Like, for instance, Charles in our game is, like, completely foregoing ranged combat um, just because he kind of, like, this is a little bit of, like, an RP thing for him almost where he's kind of like, you know, like, oh, like, my character's too much a, you know, like, he thinks guns are for pussies kind of thing. Sure, um, but, but I... Uh, I, I, I definitely do feel, like, I feel like the maps... Uh, are going to have to be a lot wider, right? And I feel like there's going to be a lot more long-ranged engagements just by, like, default, and that's going to really kind of punish melee um, engagements a lot. Yeah, I feel like the, the default in Pathfinder was melee, but the, and the default in this game is ranged, and not not only ranged, but ranged at a significant distance, right? Like, like bows were pretty much infinite range in, in Pathfinder, um, but, like... In Starfinder, everything's like forty to seventy yards ish, um, and I think that's like super. Um, like it's gonna widen the map, so I think that 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 makes kind of decks that much better. Um, the absence of any kind of like power dex weapons, like they're all um, they're all like uh, operative weapons um, that they can that are kind of finessable, um, even though you don't need a feat for it means that um, it doesn't have that weird kind of interaction with, like, being... Like, you can play a melee dex character, and that's fine, but it's not like you're getting, like, 
a curved blade or something that's like super like that kind of like obviates the need for strength in melee. Right. Um. Uh, also, um, I think I think another. Uh, just kind of along those lines, the, the balancing factor. If you want to use heavy weapons, you have a minimum strength requirement. I think that's 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 uh, neat. And also, um, thrown weapons going out of strength now um, yeah. bring strength back up, which is which is a change I like. Uh, it was a feat in three five. It was only an item in Pathfinder. I like it kind of base here. Um, if you want to do that kind of thing, even though there are not a lot of thrown. We- I guess I guess grenades are the big thrown weapon. Um, a lot of grenades. Wait, I thought grenades still use decks. Um, I thought it was only uh, thrown weapons that you apply your strength mod to, or something like that. Am I? I might be misremembering. I this. think I think grenades. So grenades, I think, are still strike, but it doesn't matter because it's it's AC five. You're aiming. Yeah, at, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so according to the sheet, the next thing you do is apply your class suits. Do you want to say this is also the section where it talks a little bit about stamina? Do we want to talk about stamina here? Oh uh, yeah, let's talk about stamina and resolve here. Hit okay. points are mostly the same. Yeah, so uh, I've talked a lot about I've talked a lot about um, the the Star Wars three five system that had wound points and I can't even remember what they were called, uh, like the other kind of uh, uh, hit points that they had. But it works a lot like stamina here in the sense that you kind of have two pools, one of which is pretty easy to recover um, and represents your ability to kind of like dodge. You know what I mean? Like tuck and tuck and roll more so than it like your your ability to eat a hit. I mean, hit points have always kind of like represented that in Pathfinder, but like because it's all one pool and at zero hit points you go down, um, it's very easy for people to kind of like Mark does this in his games where like when you take a hit and you take hit point damage, that hit connects, right? But I think the expectation a little bit with Star with Starfinder, with stamina points, right, <coughs> is that like, you know, Maybe you have to contort, you know, you know what I mean. Like you, yeah. like you contort to get around it or whatever, and it's like such like a, you know, like moment that you lose a couple of stamina points in order to do that. Yeah. I think splitting that into two pools is uh, is very cool, very strong. Um, and then you know having kind of like a baseline section of hit points for like yeah, now you're taking like the pain, right? Uh, yeah, that, you're too tired. You start taking hits. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 when it gets that's when it gets real. Yeah. Um, I think I agree with you. I also, um, kind of what you were saying before, the fact that everything smoothed out is, is super great. I think, um, I think the rolling for, for, for hit points and, or stamina points would be the same thing. And this, these situations was always kind of a, a crapshoot as it was. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that you don't, you just don't have to worry about that anymore is great. Yeah. I mean, we did a lot of things to kind of balance around that, right? Like in Hell's Rebels, you roll it. But if you get lower, um, it's something like if you get lower than the average, it gets bumped to the bottom end of the of the uh, kind of like the middle. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. how like a, a die is four point five. Well, then it's just four sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think I think that 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 collection of uh, of stuff is just a plus. Good good maneuver. We've known this kind of since 4th edition, to be honest, um, that, like, rolling for hit points and stuff is really not a great way to do it. Um, and it's kind of nice that uh, nine years later, Pathfinder's got up. Yeah. Um, hell, or Starfinder, I, I guess. Paizo, whatever. Um, I mean, fi- 5e has rolling for hit points again. Oh, it which, does? Uh, yeah. If I remember correctly, it does. Um 
Yeah, yeah, it does because some circumstances in the game I'm playing in. But yeah, so, um, but I definitely think this is the right thing. In fact, I'd, I'd backport this kind of like system into, um, into, in, into Pathfinder even, right? Like, the, it's very clear, like, the D6 class gets six or five hit points. Uh-huh. The D8 class gets six hit points, and the D10 class gets seven hit points. I guess you give the D12 class eight hit points. Uh, barbs can get their extra hit point for free, and I yeah. feel like just doing that would be so much better. Um, um, I feel like you'd have to do a little bit of adjustment to get it to work with kind of the racial stuff, uh, but it's I don't think that's too hard. Um, yeah, me neither. Um, I feel like that would be pretty yeah. straightforward. I, I mean, I to be frank, I don't even think you have to. Like, I think just, like, saying that, like, D6 classes get five hit points every level in Pathfinder works fine. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, for... for oh, so it, you wouldn't even do the... You wouldn't even split it up with uh, with stamina. I mean, so I think that, that like, there, there could be advantages to doing that, but I think that's a whole other ball of wax. I think... I, yeah, I th- that, that's the thing that I think kind of leads a little bit to a problem, because then all of a sudden you get a huge... Uh, a huge amount of hit points. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. in Pathfinder, like the numbers are different. The yeah. numbers are just smaller. Like yeah. even if you're rolling really well, the numbers will be smaller. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to do a ton of adjustment to get that to, to work. For this what I'm talking about is just replace the die with 5 for D6, 6 for D8, 7 for D10, 8 for D12 and tell players that that's what we're doing um for your hit points. And then you add your constitution modifier as normal for and that I think solves like ninety percent of the problems with the the dice bullshit that you get in Pathfinder, um, but that's that's kind of something to explore for later, um, backporting systems. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think of resolve points so far? I think there aren't enough uses for them. I actually think that there are a lot of places where resolve points should be used, but aren't. Um, to be honest with you. And I also think that, um, uh, like, I also think that resolve points should kind of be an option in a lot of spaces. Like, I think it would be very cool if the baseline system for resolve was something along the lines of you can use it and it does X, but you can use it with a point of resolve and it does X plus Y. You know what I mean? To get like a like a power boost out of it, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like for instance, uh, I think that there are a lot of like little powers and shit that would be very cool to have like a resolve power up for right like something like the solarian stellar rush <coughs> stellar rush is already a, a standard action that allows you to charge so it really lets you kind of like you get you 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 use your move action to find a charge line and then a standard action to charge um, but i think using a point of resolve in order to ignore difficult terrain or ignore you know what i mean like something along those lines to kind of make it a little bit more like like the biotic charge uh, from like Mass Effect or something along those lines, um, or you know like that powers up your attack. At, you know like you use a point of resolve, give yourself a plus four to attack and damage. You know what I mean? Like something like that, I think would be very cool. I feel like there just aren't enough uses for resolve um, right now, and I think that the te- like the ability to use resolve to um, get yourself back in the game from a hit points perspective is like important. Um, but you need, you also need to kind of like offset that with like really powerful offensive abilities so that you can kind of have a trade off between like, do I want to give away this point of resolve, which is effectively like 20 HP or whatever, because I'm pretty sure it'll let me like, you know, 
one-shot this guy, and that's like a, and that's like a valuable thing. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I kind of think that it has kind of like I, I kind of come up from the opposite way. I think that because resolve is tied, like the, the general uses of resolve are so important, which is basically keeping you from dying. Um, it kind of feels too dangerous to, to to use them for anything else. Like I feel like even I, I feel like you couldn't make abilities powerful enough. Um, that players would want to use them over saving them to make sure they don't die. Oof! See, um, I think that's a Captain Crunch answer. I think that the that the tension can be there. Um, like so, like so. For instance, I also just think that like there are certain situations in which like you want to be able to burn a lot of resolve quickly, right? Like this is something that I think about in terms of Hell's Rebels pretty commonly because like the sessions are short and I like to keep each session like. Um, uh, like encapsulated properly. Um, so you guys can basically just like burn all of your daily abilities in just a couple of rounds of combat. Cause there's really not all that much. Like we just don't have the time to do like long drawn out things. That's a little bit more what the dungeons at the end of the books are for. Um, but, uh, I think for Starfinder, it like that problem means you just don't use your resolve. You just don't have good uses for your resolve because like there's only like one or two combats. Right. Um, and so having like having an offensive option uh, allows allows players like a little bit more flexibility. Plus, I also just really like the idea of like <coughs> you know being like trying to trying to uh, uh, kind of find situations where like an offensive use of resolve is really important. Um, you know just, what I mean? Like the rest of the party all goes down, and it's going to be a TPK. Like unless you can one v one this bad guy, and you need to burn your resolve in order to get there, sort of a thing. Like I think that's pretty compelling. Sure. I so I agree that that's how I would like it to be, but I, I just think from kind of like a like a like a thousand foot view, if you're like a character making a choice between like a power that will cost you a resolve, or one that won't, um, you kind of look at that and you say like. That power is really cool, but that requires me to spend the resource that keeps me alive at the end of the day, um, and I got, yeah. I got, um, and I feel like that that inherently limits the amount of things you're willing to take that cost RP because I, I feel like what stabilizing when you're dead is one quarter of your maximum, minimum one, maximum three. So I think your actual resolve pool is actually is three quarters of your resolve pool, um, which is not terrible to be fair. Um, but I think that players are more likely to pick one or two things that cost resolve mm -hmm. and focus on them um, because they're never going to be using a whole, a wide range of them because that will cost too much RP. And then Yeah, this is also why I think that resolve needs to be on more things kind of as a general purpose power-up in order okay. to offset that kind of... Like, like I, I, I'm actually pretty much with you on that point. And, and I also think just like... I also agree with you that like the default use for resolve should be defensive, if that makes sense. Um, like in in so far as we are up against like an even CR encounter and nothing crazy is going on, right? Like it's probably overkill for me to like pop a resolve in order to do like something like powerful from like a utilitarian or a uh, like a uh, like a like an offensive power or something like that. Um, but like, and so, and I wouldn't want to balance it so that the two are actually competitive because I think that would be wrong. Um, that's kind of like the that's kind of like the balancing around. It's it's that's like a like a 
well, whatever. That's that's too hard to explain. Anyway, uh, the point is, is that like I feel like you want to have the opportunity for some of these edge cases to exist more so than you want to try and make it like competitive in like a default sense, if that makes sense, right? Like, yeah, I think it should be very very situational almost. Um, but like also uh, like a like a neat option for people to pick up on because it's one of those things where I actually was a little bit disappointed to be honest when I read I was like oh this resolve pool is really cool and I like the ability to use it you know like all of the different classes will have different uses for resolve in whatever ways and then you actually kind of get down and dirty with it and it's like well there's really not all that much that you can yeah. do with your resolve so I I don't know why this popped into my head but I was thinking that. You could solve some of this stabilizing problem. Um, this is kind of lifted from 7C, but if you could stabilize one of your allies for one resolve point and, like, an action, I think that could fix a lot of this because it, it kind of does, like, the, the 7C thing where, like, it's more effective to use your, your – your, instead of having to spend three on yourself, you can spend one on a friend and, and the action. I think that would also um, release relieve kind of some of the uh, – uh, the, 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 the feeling that you need to conserve your, your RP. You just need to have enough left to pick up, you know, stabilize a friend or something, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah. I I think that uses for resolve points is a thing that will grow with splat. Um, so I, I, I think that I'm, I'm hopeful that that'll come out in the future. Um, like, that'll come out in feats because... Uh, I just don't think there are enough feats in the game yet, like, straight up. Um, and so I, I think that, like, in the future, like, a feat that says you this lets you spend a resolve on a charge to ignore difficult terrain, or something like that, right? Like, you can ignore five feet of difficult terrain and spend a resolve for every additional five feet or something. Um, that's probably too too weak, but you, you know what I mean. Like, some, something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. In, in a splat book would... Uh, I I think um, uh, will will be good when it comes something like that. I I think they can make it better in in Splat. Um, yeah, that's fair. I think a lot of things will be made better uh, in Splat. Um, okay, so after that we have skill ranks and feats. Is there anything you want to talk about specifically? But like skills have always kind of you know honestly. Well, let's, like... let's talk about skills when we get to the skill section. Sure, sure, sure. Um, um, I think the next big thing to talk about is themes because because alignment hasn't really changed much, has it? No, yeah, I'm actually glad that they stuck with alignment. I thought they might kind of like toy with it, and I think the alignment system is fantastic, and I never want it to change. Okay, uh, wait, you think the alignment system is fantastic? I love the alignment system. I think it's amazing. I think any changes to the alignment system that get rid of that matrix are awful. Oh, okay. I, I think I think changes to the alignment system. Starfinder does this. Changes to the alignment system that de-emphasize the mechanical uses of alignment are fine. I don't think alignment should be for mechanics, but I absolutely think it is an incredibly important uh, like flavor tool to get people to uh, uh, you know think about their characters and like role okay in, and their role play much better. And so any of those changes that are like oh it's now aligned from lawful good to chaotic evil that's awful and dumb and super bad and I hate it. Uh, I I I agree, I agree have, with you. Have we not done Have we not done an episode on alignments? No, 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 no. We, we we have. I just oh, okay. We we usually like. I I agree with you the way you stated that there. I just like I always thought that alignment had all, like. Alignment kind of has mechanics and what alignments mean have some issues with it. Um, in fact, I think it's I think it was an Angry GM article I read recently. Um, uh, 
had had some bit about how like um, lawful chaos to chaos has some weird problems because a lot of times lawful and chaos get used get um get used as kind of proxies for not quite good and not quite evil and you really need to kind of adjust your thinking to it to a to to kind of get rid of that association um and I, I I kind of agree with him that that's the way it it, it, it kind of like falls usually um but I think I think that that's it. like that that's why I balked when you said I, I love the alignment system I, I just always thought I, I thought the kind of like inherent mechanics as you put it were were were, uh, were, were flawed but I, yeah, do I mean I, I don't think the inherent mechanics are as bad as everyone says they are you know in a lot of ways but um I just think, like, that Matrix is probably one of the things that I think is, like, it's like the color wheel for magic or something like that, you know? Like, it's a really foundational part of, like, the game that people just don't think about being as important as it is. I think D&D would be, like, an, just a really, really different game without that Matrix. I agree um, with you. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, uh, yeah. so th that's kind of off topic, so fucking themes, right? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, 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 themes. On uh, its face, themes are uh, a kind of realignment of the trait system, it feels like, right? You know, you kind of, you, you get a theme, you get like a like a base kind of flavor. It's also, in, in a weird way, like a mechanized backstory, I also find. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, and I, uh, I don't know, I, 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 I like them, I think they're good. I hope that we get a lot more because I like and I doubt that you you know what I mean like I'm sure we will get a huge number as time goes on, um, but uh, I definitely uh, I definitely feel like these are pretty good to cover the bases if that makes sense. Um, and I also like the way that it pulls out some of the <coughs> kind of implications of the um, like it pulls out some of the implications for different classes into like from an rp perspective um into something that can kind of be a little more universal so like for instance operative could be you know what i mean like outlaw could be a natural like thing that you assign to the operative class from like a fantasy perspective almost uh, but by pulling it out into a theme you can now have an outlaw anything right or like an i you know like an icon and an envoy aren't synonymous anymore uh you know you can have an icon anything yeah 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 i i, th I think when we talk about like we, we've talked about this in the past um i'm not sure on the cast about like how classes are tied to kind of um lore right like like that various classes are are tied more or less to lore like the paladin is very tightly tied to, to its place in lore, whereas the fighter is much less. I think that uh, what these themes do is pull that lore aspect out and put it on the theme and make the classes much more uh, generic and therefore multiple, um, which I like a lot. Um, you know, like you could, like you could make essentially a space paladin by having him be a soldier with the priest theme, um, and 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 you know, there's some other steps you'd have to take there too, like, like touch of mysticism or whatever, but you can very much get that paladin flavor out without having a specific paladin class with paladin mechanics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that, I think that this is actually, uh, a better, uh, a better implementation of a version of that, that I like a lot. Um, I feel like a lot of the times when people talk about removing kind of the ingrained lore from stuff like paladins, um, they are, 
they are taking something out without providing an adequate replacement to the system. Themes feel like an adequate replacement to the yeah. system. I'll agree with that. Um, absolutely. So, uh, do we want to go piece by piece? Uh, we can just talk about some of the ones that are, like, the best, I guess. Uh, uh, why don't we just... Um... But, oh, first I want to talk on... I, I want to start on themeless. Um, All right. Because it is, first of all, it's the first one chronologically, and it, it kind of has the most implications. Okay, so they say in the themeless, uh, in the seamless blurb, they say, um, a themeless character is considered less powerful than a character with a theme, so choose this option with care, right? And then it goes on to basically describe, um, at first level, you get a new class skill, um, and, uh, an ability adjustment of plus one to anything, right? Um... At 6th level, once per day when you make a skill check, you can get a plus 2 bonus for that check. At 12th level, um, you know, you you choose uh, a skill that is a class skill for you, and you can re-roll that skill check. Um, uh, and, you know, and you have to take, like, the second, the second result or whatever. And then at 18th level, you increase your resolve points by 1. Do you think that this is worse than the themes that are listed? Um, yes, if only because I find these bonuses to be kind of un, uninsp like, I find, find these bonuses to be kind of nothing, and the other ones, while situational, at least have their situations where they're useful. Um, I think it has, like, I know before, before the book came out, I said I was afraid that themeless was going to become the default option because it was going to be on par and and the most flexible. Um, I think they've done a good job of avoiding that. Um, oh, you, you, it sounds like I you I kind of disagree. I think it's too powerful. I think the flexibility that it offers is just, and it is just like, it's just like really, really strong. Um, and that I don't know that you could make themeless. In a weird way, I almost think that themeless shouldn't exist because... I don't know that there's a way that you can make themeless without it being too powerful. Just like, I, I, I don't think it's that powerful. Like, I don't think any of the things that it gives you are that great, though. So, I think when you compare it, like, side by side to any of the other themes, it is definitely less powerful. But in the instance of, I can control every piece of that themeless thing, right? Um... I feel like I now have an option to not, you know what I mean? Like because of that situational stuff, I have the option to make myself the most useful version of themeless. That's like on quote unquote, the most amount of time. Um, and, uh, uh, you're you, like, the themes are a little bit too specific almost for their own good. And that there's going to be stuff left by the wayside. And that is, that kind of power difference is what was what evens them out a lot for me. I don't know that they're quite they're like quite the same, but I think that there's just like, there's a lot more power in themeless than I like. Uh, see, like I I just I just I just can't agree. I don't think anything that themeless gives you like getting a class skill. I don't think is that big of a deal because the skill pools are a lot smaller and it's a lot easier to kind of um, like to to get uh, skills in if you want to. Um, I think that certainty is the ten percent increase on a skill check once a day, and I don't think skill checks are ever used that off or are used to that much of effect. Ooh, 
I don't agree with that either. I think skills are much more important in Starfinder than they are in Pathfinder. And we will see a lot more use of them. I think we'll see a lot more use of them, but I don't think that they're... that It's it's so much so that a, a plus two is that important. Um, I also think that extensive studies is... I think the fact that extensive studies is locked to one skill, like you can't change that choice, I think that makes it significantly weaker. Like I, I like I think that makes it so significantly weak that it's it's not like it's not great. Like maybe but so most classes already have that thing built in. Like if they have like a reroll, it's typically locked to a class or two based on whatever their theme is. Right? Like a pilot might reroll their pilot's piloting check or whatever. It's not like they can use that to reroll an engineering check. Right, but the I don't the fact that it's it's kind of just like any skill, I just don't think that that's that. I don't think that's that great, um, right? Like re-roll re a, a check and, and make it and take it, even if it's worse. Like I don't think that that's that's great at all. Uh, I don't. Pilot doesn't have that. No, it doesn't. I'm just using it as an example. Okay. Um, but like, like, like in in the sense of that, that I think. These that they're more comparable on power levels. Uh, see, that. see, see I, I just don't think that that power reroll must take the second one, lock to one skill forever and always is actually that useful. Um, like maybe I could see an argument for like if you're using it for something like stealth is really the only thing I could see it being super useful for, and I think that like. Outlaw is just better for that kind of class. Um, oh, maybe really? not. I, but... I, Outlaw doesn't have anything that that does stealth. It's mostly about like the black market connections, like credits yeah, kind of maybe. stuff. I think so. Okay, uh, not to spend too much time on this uh, because I think the main power in a lot of themes comes from the reduction of DCs. Uh, like so, for instance, in you know, in pilot, just because it's the next one, you have reduced the DC of culture checks to recall knowledge about starship uh, and vehicle models and parts, as well as famous hotshot pilots by five. Right? Um, this is something that's built into a lot of these themes, and I think is kind of like the main version um, of uh, of like the power that you'll get from a theme. Uh, a little bit later down the line, you also have something that says um, when you take the double maneuver action during a vehicle chase, reduce the penalty. Oh, I'm sorry, no. Whenever you make a piloting check, uh, whenever a piloting check has a penalty for failing by five or more, you take that penalty only if you fail by ten or more, right? Like, I actually think that that stuff is probably the most power that you get out of a theme uh, relative to themeless, uh, like, characters. Um, and, uh, you know, like, that's, 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 the, that, that's the baseline of the difference between the power level between, like, themeless and themed characters. Um... And otherwise, I feel like themeless are just kind of, like, good, like, like about the same, if not better, because they're a little bit more flexible. Like, for instance, Master Pilot is up to twice per day when you defeat a significant foe in starship combat as a pilot or succeed in a vehicle chase, you recover one resolve point. Themeless, you just get one, you just have a one higher resolve point pool, right? With Master Pilot, like, 
I, you know, like if we're going through a dungeon, there could be sessions that I never get to activate my ability to uh, recover resolve, right? Or even the same thing, you know, like with Master Hunter, which allows me to recover resolve when I'm uh, when I'm like chasing a mark. Um, I don't know. Like I feel like I feel like just having the pool be one be one larger is yeah. Uh, see, is, I just is on balance more powerful. I, so I I think I might agree with you there, but I just don't think that either. I don't think I'm not impressed with the capstones on any of the themes, um, and I'm not. I don't think that steely determination in itself is that is that big a deal. I don't. I don't think that um, a resolve a resolve pool of an extra resolve pool of one at 18th level is actually that significant. Fair enough. Uh, the uh, I don't know. So uh, uh, themes, I guess. Besides that, yeah. Um, Anything else that you want to say about any of these teams? Oh, I um, like them all. You I don't like them neat. all? I say I like them all. Oh, I okay. think they're neat. Yeah, uh, I think some of them are better than others. Just like on a like a like a fundamental kind of power gamer sort of way almost, but you, you know, see, I don't uh, I don't think that I don't think that there's enough power to really justify taking a theme for the crunch. Oh yeah, that's that's actually what I think is important is that um they have minor mechanical effects, but none of them are so good. Like, they are all such minor power that you can it, you can just do it for, like, character backstory stuff, and it's not that huge of a deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, like I, I think something like Scholar is a lot better than something like Priest, right? But, like, even though I would say, you know, oh, Scholar is, you know, like, whatever, 50% better than Priest, because they're both so weak... 50% is, like, nothing. You know what right. I mean? It's, like, 50% of, you know, 1% is just not enough to change uh, to change it. And I think that the flavor value of being uh, whatever theme you're being is just so valuable that I don't know that the, the crunches of the world um, will ever kind of convince me that... Uh, you know, you shouldn't. You shouldn't take. You shouldn't take a theme just for the flavor. Essentially, yeah. The, the biggest thing that theme gives you is that plus one two, an ability point. And like I said way earlier, um, sometimes like that might influence your decision for, um, uh, for for characters of races with penalties to your primary ability score. But I think that's about it. And I think it's kind of a stopgap in that hole. It works fine, and that, so that's, that's like fine. A, that's like a, a a feature, not a bug. Yes, essentially. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Um, awesome. All right, races. Um, since we've burned a lot of, we spent forty five minutes on ability scores, health points, and. I have themes. a feeling that this will kind of be like ultimate intrigue. It'll be one of those things that we'll come back to a couple of times, just because like there's just a lot to talk about. Yeah, this is um, also like twice, three times as long as ultimate <sighs> intrigue. Um, um, yeah, so races, um, I don't have a lot to say about the races, um, other than I am excited by, um, the weirdness of these races, kind of the addition of the Pathfinder Legacy races in the back section and, like, the number of monstrous races they already included in First Contact, um, I kind of like the super streamlining of what races are, which is um, some stats and HP points and then some some like flat abilities. And then the rest of it's just cultural information, which I think is um, it's just great. I, I really like 
how streamlined races are, and I, I like the fact that it's it seems like it's going to be very easy to just toss another, um, you know, toss a couple monsters on the pile if you want to, if you can, uh, which 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 I love. Um, I don't think I have anything to say in particular about any of the races. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the races are all pretty pretty good. I mean, I think there is something to be said a little bit about um the the abilities that races have, right? Like you know, Kasathas with their four arms, right? Um, or, you know, right, like, Lashuntas and Shirin have, like, this limited telepathy. I think that kind of stuff is very neat and very interesting, um, uh, but it's not, like, a, it's not really, like, a game changer one way or the other, I guess, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I also like that there's a lot of skill stuff related to the races. This is something that was very true of Star Wars, um, mostly because they had like a million races in Star Wars, but like a lot of the time they would give races just like like flat buffs to certain skills in the same way that you know like um, uh, you have culture like a culture buff for Kasathas, right? Um, or like a, like a computers and engineering buff for like Isoki, right? Um, I think that that just that stuff makes that stuff makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um... Do you have any opinions on any of the stuff they've changed from the Galarian races? Like, elves are super racist now and don't have pupils, and uh, gnomes have, like, split into sub-races of bleachlings and... Uh... To be honest with you, I didn't actually get to that section of things. Um, but uh, I also... Uh, I think that that i i think that that's cool i i actually really like the idea of going back and playing something like a half elf in in this setting right um but i think that for now it'll be a lot more important for most of us to kind of play around with the new races rather than kind of um uh, no i i agree play games you know like play games with the old races uh if that makes sense yep um Sure. Uh, if that's all we've got to say about races, do we want to move on to classes? Uh, I'm sure we'll talk forever about these. Yeah, I'm sure we'll just finish out like halfway through one of these classes. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, one of the first things that I actually want to talk about a little bit, just because it's chronologically first, is they also include this thing at the end um, called these class builds. It's chronologically first. It's the thing at the end. Um, and I really love that they added these class builds to the um, – like to each class i think that's a very like neat way to uh conceptualize the differences between the classes um as they as they kind of go on <coughs> yeah um i i think i think it's neat for showing kind of how generic the class they, they how generic they kind of want the the classes to be um and what i was talking about earlier with the separating the the lore into the theme and the and the you know the kind of mechanics into the class um those builds are very much kind of putting that on display um like i think the the, the only class with real solid lore implications in this group is the solarian i feel um everybody else is just kind of like whatever yeah, I think that's a little bit intended. I like they've talked about adding more classes. Like I think they said. Uh, oh wait, maybe they didn't say that. Maybe they said races. Uh, but whatever the case may be, right? Like they've talked about adding more classes, and I imagine that we'll end up getting to a spot that will be a little bit more like, um, uh, you know, like the advanced class guide or something, yeah. where like things will get more and more specialized and focused as time goes on. 
uh, and that this is a pretty good baseline to start from, if nothing else. Um, I also think that, you know, and we talked about this before Starfinder came out, um, I think that there's a lot of room inside of a class to specialize. Yeah. Um, which is very cool and very interesting, right? Like, I think that, you know, like, I feel like eventually we'll probably find a version of, like, the mechanic that, like, you know, deploys a turret or, you know what I mean? Like, something like that. I think that will make sense. Uh, and you'll, and instead of having the exocortex, instead of having a drone, you'll kind of have this, like, Torbjorn mechanic who pops a turret uh, that does, you know what I mean? That, that does whatever kind of damage it does. I feel um, like that's already the combat drone in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, maybe. Um, I'm thinking something a little bit more temporary than that. You know what oh, I mean? Okay, like, yeah. Where, like, you run over, you you plop down the turret. It does kind of, like, it's a little bit like alchemist bombs or something like that. Like, it does flat damage based on your level more than anything uh, else. Yeah, 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 And yeah. it's very temporary. Like, it lasts maybe 30 seconds or a minute per level, you know, like, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But at the end of it, then it kind of, like, blows up. I feel like that is, like, probably coming down the pike at some point, right? Two years yeah. from now, we'll have the, the turret... Uh, uh, we'll have the turret mechanic build. Um, but, um, you know, and, and there's version of this for kind of everything, I guess. Um, uh, though I actually, I guess I can't really think too much. What would a tur what would another version of the Solarian be, given that you have weapons and you have armor, and those are the two differences? Maybe a version of the Solarian where you're, like, shooting, like, light or, or graviton at people for, it's like, a ranged way. See, that doesn't feel like it makes much sense to me. I, 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 I feel like a a a, uh, a Solarian that's much more focused on uh, the powers than on the uh, than than on than on the the combat is a thing that could come down the. the oh the pike, yeah, I see. What you mean that kind of makes sense, like yeah. a, like a almost like a like a kineticist or something. Yeah, um, like a Jedi mage as opposed to a Jedi knight, because um, they're totally not Jedi. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally not. Um, but let's. I, I feel like we should go down these one by one. Definitely. Well, let's start with 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 Envoy. Um, you have any initial th any initial thoughts on Envoy? I think Envoy is a very tough kind of uh, uh, class archetype to do well. I've seen this in a couple of different games, but tends what it tends to be is it mechanizes the face. And uh, you get locked into this kind of, right, this is also the danger of a character kind of like Beauregard um, in the sense yeah. of like one person is really good at all the face stuff and so they do all of the face stuff and nobody else pays attention and then they're really bad in combat and they don't pay attention in combat while everybody else is doing what they do. Um, and I think that they've done all right, not amazing, not garbage, right, um, when it comes to putting the, the envoy in a spot where um, they can play around uh, in combat, do stuff in combat, um, but also kind of serve as like the face of the party. Uh, see, I, I actually I, I disagree with you. I think they've done a very good job at kind of like making the envoy in, in combat into more of a, uh, a support character, right? Like I think this is, is actually a pretty decent version of, of the uh, – of the the warlord, um, and when I say the warlord, I mean like kind of like the the the, the martial healer mm -hmm. from from Fori. Um, well, it's not obviously directly like that. I think that although I do think there is like a combat medic improvisation in here somewhere. Um, I think that they've done a pretty good job at kind of uh, of doing kind of the 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 mundane supporter class with this. 
Um, and I, the, the fact that most of the improvisations don't appear to be pure face skills, um, is good. Most of them are combat actions to, uh, to do. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I don't think that it makes up for the other side of that equation, which is to like unfaceify the face. If that makes sense, I think when when you have an envoy in the group, the envoy does everything. You know what I mean? Like I don't, like I don't... even for instance, the quiet word aspect of Beauregard puts other people. You know what I mean? Like it allows other people to to get into to the to the face stuff and to make that 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 all work out. And I don't think that they have a great. Uh, they, they don't have anything great to kind of match that here. But see, I I don't I, I really don't. Uh... Let me, let me let me double check this because I oh, I guess the, the expertise thing really does kind of push it in that direction. Uh, I was gonna say that like I, I I feel like a lot of that is based on 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 the fact that it's a charisma class more than anything else. But that that D six is kind of yeah. I mean it's the um, it's the 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 expertise the skill expertise um, uh, stuff you know the fact that they get these eight skill points right which i actually think is very good this makes a lot yeah. of sense i think envoy should have a lot of skill ranks right um but uh uh yeah you know i also think that the weapon and armor proficiencies aren't great i i kind of think that weapon and armor proficiencies across all of the classes aren't super amazing like i think this would have been an okay spot to have uh somebody like who has um long arms proficiency there's not really a lot of long arms proficiency there's the exocortex uh mechanic and um uh and the soldier but i think that having a, a version of this where it's basic melee weapons small arms and long arms for the envoy uh makes a lot of sense and would be you know would be would be kind of a little bit better but um you see i, I would probably be a little bit unbalancing to be honest yeah i i feel like <laughs> i feel like the 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 cost to become proficient in other types of weapons isn't as high um in in uh in in this game as it was in pathfinder maybe that's just because there's not a lot of good th other good things to spend your feats on um but i am not as uh i'm not as as, as upset about um uh, upset about that also the i think pistols are like small arms are pretty good on their own um I think I think that's I, that that's a big part of it. Like you know, I don't think the difference between small arms and long arms is as big as the difference between uh, simple weapons and martial weapons was in Pathfinder. Um, and I think that that goes a long way into smoothing that out. Uh, how do I feel about that? I guess fair enough. To be honest, I think that there just really needs to be one more long arm proficient group somewhere, um, and. Uh, where 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 it falls is kind of up for like up for debate. Like I actually think that there's a version of uh, uh, of mechanic that can just have long arms. Um, like I don't think it's like incredibly overpowering for a drone, uh, like a mechanic and his drone to both be firing long arms each round. Um, but you know, whatever. Anyway, that that's that's like that's kind of outside of uh, outside of mechanic stuff. The one thing I do like a lot about Envoy Inspirations is that they they're a lot better than Bard stuff. Um, yeah. Like uh, I I don't like the Bard a lot in general. I think the Bard is not a great uh, not a great class. But one of the things that makes 
bard tough is that like you're singing these songs and buffing everybody and so like those buffs scale with the size of your party and are relatively small and easy to forget for most people um but these are you know and and that was a lot of kind of what i was talking about when i was talking about like the warlord making very directed buffs because one yeah. you know you know you only have to apply it to one person essentially and that's a lot of the this kind of stuff right when yeah. i give someone an inspiring boost or whatever right it is one person within 30 feet uh that gets those hit points it's not like uh it's not like uh or stamina points um it's not like everyone right when i when i tell someone you know um uh, uh whatever focus right it removes uh flat-footed from the one target not from everyone um so yeah i do worry a little bit that these are not incredibly powerful um and you know you might see a lot of like for instance get em is very good uh you you choose the one enemy and everybody gets attack bonuses made against that enemy um until the start of your next turn you can spend a resolve to make that a little bit better. There's actually a lot, you know, I have to say that when I was talking a lot about spending resolve to make things better, I think it's because I read the Envoy first. Yeah, and the Envoy has a lot of it, yeah. The Envoy has a ton of these, but almost none of the other classes feel like they do. Like, I really actually like the ability for your dispiriting taunt at level 6. You can spend the resolve point to treat a failed intimidate as if it were a success so that you can guarantee the result, right? Uh, Same thing with the Clever Faint, right? There's just a lot of these um uh you know you can double the power of the inspiring boost for a resolve um triple the power i'm sorry uh but uh you know uh so there's 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 that stuff is very cool to me i think that this is um yeah um i don't think i've got much else to say about that Unless, about the Envoy, unless you've got anything. Fair enough. Uh, I I guess I don't. I guess I don't. Um, Moving on to the mechanic, our second favorite, or both of our, I think, favorite. We're both playing mechanics in our respective stuff. Yeah, I'm playing playing uh, a Yusoki mechanic. I will Um, be playing a Han mechanic. uh, Because space spiders are great. Um, Yeah, mechanics to me are the... Are, they are my favorite class. I think that they are the most interesting. Um, um, they got a lot of mechanics to, to roll around in. I, 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 th- I agree with you for the most part. I think... I don't think... I think that it feels a lot more unique because it's the one with the least... Without the a, a good close analog in Pathfinder. Like, it is one of the differentest... Different... Most different. There we go. I can sure. use words. Um... Um, and, and so it feels a lot fresher. Um, uh. Yeah, uh, I think the thing that really sells mechanic for me is that the mechanic... Um, what are these things we get at level 2? What are they called? Mechanic tricks all feel really cool um, and impactful to take. Uh, yeah, a lot, everybody gets these kinds of like, choose one of... Uh, you know, like they're like rogue talents or whatever kind of thing. Um, but the mechanic, mechanic ones to me just feel like they're the best they uh they like all of them carry a really cool flavor um all of them seem to carry kind of uh you know neat um 
don't know. It's just, they're just they're just very cool. They're very neat, right? Like neur- like I talked about neural shunt uh, at Gen Con once per day. When you fail a saving throw against a mind affecting effect, you can shunt that effect into your AI instead of taking it, um, and then your AI kind of shuts shuts off for the duration of the of the effect. I think that's awesome. I think that's such a cool like it's got a lot of flavor, right? But it's also very like useful. Um, you know, energy shield, right? Like, what a huge, uh, uh, what a huge ability that's just, like, really neat, I guess. Um, and, uh, and I feel like, you know, maybe the Solarian also has some of, some of the abilities that kind of, like, hit along these levels, but a lot of the other classes kind of don't, um, which is basically the foundation for why I think Mechanic is so just fundamentally cool. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. Um, I agree. Uh, I also think kind of like the, like, I think I like conceptually like the extra cortex option better, but I kind of love the amount of customization that you can put into the drone. Um, like the fact that it's like six pages of upgrades is maybe it's not six pages. There's a lot of upgrades that that I really like. I think the drones are super, the, the, the mechanic made me like pet class, like a pet class and I hate pet classes. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I like pet classes a lot, and the mechanic made me like pet classes. Um, I'm playing a mechanic with a drone, and uh, uh, I have the stealth drone. But, like, it's one of those things where you, you get some cool abilities, right? Like, you can make a sniper platform by taking the hover drone. You put a sniper rifle on it, and, like, you give it, like, the sniper rifle proficiencies because, like, drones get feats and shit like that. You put a sniper rifle on it, and you can just have it floating like 200 feet away right like off the map or whatever taking sniper rifle pot shots and i love that i think that's yeah, yeah. so neat right but you could also have kind of like a <coughs> you know like a battle bot tank treads with a fucking gravity hammer right like zooming into melee um and going nuts my drone is a stealth drone that is like mostly built for uh kind of like surreptitious hacking um in the sense that uh he can like spider climb around stuff and he has a tool arm for a hacking kit and you know as he levels up he'll be getting manipulator arms that'll allow me to do engineering checks because like when you are directly like piloting your drone it uses your skill checks for certain things and so the idea that i can like slip my drone into the air vents or whatever and it pops into the you know into the room and uh, you know, like, like, like plugs into the computer and I'm using my, you know, computer to remote control it through the custom rig. That is such an awesome fantasy that I think the, uh, the mechanic, uh, gives you access to that, that, that this is, I'm just, re- I'm really hyped for it. I think that this is, this is really cool. really neat. Um, even some of the level up stuff I think is fucking awesome, right? Every level you can rebuild your drone from scratch, right? So if I'm like, okay, well, I know we're just going to sit in a dungeon for a level. Boom. Now I have my, my Tank Treads Battle Bot drone, right? Um, when you level up, you can split your, your drone levels, your AI levels between multiple different drones, right? So I can have a stealth drone that does this and then start, like, powering up a, uh, a Battle Bot drone, you know, or a Sniper Platform drone. Wait, where, with, where can you, when, when can you do that? Uh, I believe there's one that allows you to split it. It might be, like, way late. But it's cool. Okay. Yeah. They're like a trick or uh at level seventeen. Okay. So maybe I'm like overstating that, but you can have multiple AIs. 
Um, one in a drone and one in an exocortex. Okay, yeah, so, so that's yeah. slightly different. Yeah, yeah. So I misunderstood that that set of mechanics, but fair enough. That's actually kind of lame. I thought it was a lot earlier than that, but whatever. Well, I think there's a trick to, like, make spy bots. Isn't there, like, a feat? Yeah, there is a trick to make spy bots, which I also think is awesome. God. Scout bot, yeah, I yeah. Love, I love this whole class. I think this whole class yeah, is cool. Yeah. You, can, you can get spec scout bots at level 8. Yeah. Um, so, 10, 10 yeah. minutes one resolve point. Hey, uh, but yeah. Uh, sorry for for killing your fantasy. There. No, no, it's okay. So uh, I feel like we're going to talk a lot about uh, mechanics, kind of going on as we start reporting on our various uh, Starfinder games. Uh, our Starfinder game, I think, starts next week. Um, Yours does. Are, are you go are you going to be uh, broadcasting that? I guess I should, though, huh? Uh, yeah, we'll figure out some way to broadcast uh, uh, to broadcast the Starfinder game, um, uh, so that the two of us can. can I, I really like the idea that you and I are both moving through the same AP kind of in parallel. Because um, yeah. I'm going to be really interested to see kind of how you approach certain problems versus how we approach certain problems. Um, from the outset, we have a lot of uh, uh, we have a lot of stealth, right? Like I'm stealthy. I have my stealth drone. Uh, we have an operative that's being by our, played by our friend Josh. Um, uh, a Solarian by our friend Charles and a soldier by our friend Jimmy. Um, yeah, we'll probably have to put off conversations until, uh, until we both play through the sections. Um, cause I'm obviously going to be behind you initially. Do you guys have a start date? No. Oh, okay. Uh, unfortunately. Um, Jimmy has not been putting months of preparation to this like Nick has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, uh, it is very neat. We've created uh, we've created our own Discord server um, so that we can have like uh, kind of in character conversations, right? So like right now we have an IC channel, like an in character channel for uh, the starship that you start, the like the shuttle that you start out on, so that we can kind of introduce ourselves to people um, a little bit before we play next week. So, you know, neat, awesome, um, yeah. Uh, do we want to move on to the uh, the mystic? Um, yeah, I I guess so. Uh, the... I, f I feel like we should do the mystic and then uh, and then move on to our weeks because we're at like at an hour ten. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so the mystic um uh is also a class actually that I like a whole lot. Um, it's basically a cleric. Uh, but the connections and the connection powers between them um, and the natural uh, uh, kind of uh, lore that comes with a lot with some of these connections is very cool to me, right? Like, just lo just looking at the connections, you have the Akashic, which is, like, this uh, very knowledge-built uh, because they, um, uh, they're linked to the collective knowledge of every sentient species that's ever lived, Um held in the Akashic record, which is like this super great, huge kind of tone, uh, right? Um, you know, you have, you, you know, you have a couple of dummy ones, like the healer, which is kind of obvious, the empath a little bit too, um, which is kind of like turning yourself into something of a face. Hey man, healer um, gets steel fucking life. I don't think, I don't think any of them are that boring. No, I, I don't think any of them are that boring. I just mean like from like a lore perspective. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, like healer, right. But then you also have like overlord, right? Yeah. Which I think is awesome uh mindbreaker which is probably like i feel like the next game that we play i'll probably end up playing a mindbreaker mystic because i think just like 
I just think it's super cool. Um, yeah, they've got a couple of weird ones that are like, like Xeno Druid and Star Shaman are very like clearly like, well, he didn't want to make this thing a whole class, so have like these weird kind of sp very specific things. Yeah. Um, not that it's a problem. It's just it's just kind of like. It's weird how specific Star Shaman and Xeno Druid are, and kind of the general, and how gen compared to the general like healer and uh, and 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 like you said, empath and whatnot. Right, right, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I do actually. I really kind of hate that Xeno Druid is in its own class because that sounds like a really awesome class, like wild shaping into aliens. But uh, I have a feeling that that they're they're much better about their balance, um, kind of obviously. So I have a feeling that uh, uh, that they kind of wanted to avoid any trouble with kind of like you know allowing you to morph into shit that you shouldn't essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Other um, systems have dealt with that in like various ways. Uh, the D and D five E had a has a pretty cool druid system that allows you to kind of like take on general forms and they give you certain benefits, right? Um, so I think it would be very easy, well, I guess. Uh, well, 5e lets you just be the animal up to a certain CR. Um, it, 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 you just have, like, a, a health health point pool on top of your normal pool, and it gets shed if it gets bunched through. But, you, like, one of the things that always disappointed me about Pathfinder shapeshifting is that, like, you, a lot of the times, didn't get access to the coolest parts of the creatures. Um Whereas you get everything from the the creature in Five E, you just have access to it to a relatively smaller period of time because you only have their health pool. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, I meant Fourth Edition, uh, where you, like you kind of transfer you transform into a creature, right? Uh, and uh, like so, for instance, I played a Fourth Edition game where I kept transforming into crocodiles. Okay. Um, but like the croc, like the mechanical difference between a crocodile and a wolf wasn't defined by your form it was defined by the powers that you took so in a way so in a way like the the animal that you turned into um was kind of just a flavor choice and you got powers that so like as a crocodile i had the power to trip someone right but that trip power is just a power i took and it could have been i could have been a bear that tripped someone okay or i could have been a monkey that tripped someone if that makes sense do you know what i mean yeah i go like it's kind of like a, a general statement i kind of go back and forth as to how i feel about those kinds of mechanics, because at some level, I want, like, choices, like, like choices to better, like, I've seen systems where, like, a sword and a hammer are basically exactly the same, like, you just spend, like, whatever allocation of points you have on it to make it do, like, certain amounts of damage to have certain properties, but otherwise they could be functionally the same. Right. Um, part of me likes that because it lets you flavor things any way you want. Part of me also wants there to be some meaningful distinction in those choices. Um, I feel, I, I don't know, I don't know. I haven't really deeply explored that, but it's something I think about occasionally. I feel yeah, like we could do an think, episode on uh, that. Well, I feel like we'll we'll probably get that somewhere along the line when the Pathfinder uh, rulebook with the shifter comes out. Yeah, so yeah. As though shifter is going to be there. Um, uh, yeah. Like ki ki kind of their like updated version of these mechanics, and I'm and I'm excited to see how that'll work. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Uh. Anyway, fucking Mystic. Um, uh, I do like some of the kind of, uh, like, the telepathic stuff. Like, you get Mind Link at second level uh, with creatures you, you touch. And there's a, there's, there's a lot of kind of, like, um, 
like 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 mind stuff that comes with a lot of these. Um, you know, the connections themselves are kind of phrased in a way that, like, you know, it is. Uh, you know, like you you have even even healer is it's it's about your ability to like connect with another person um in the same way that like an empathy like empathy is how you connect with another person if that kind of makes sense and i think that's pretty cool uh like sort of from a flavor perspective um so you know there's that yeah i also oh. think that the spell list is pretty straightforward um i haven't looked at any of the spells yet so <laughs> You'll have to. <laughs> I actually I didn't look at a lot of them either. I basically just glanced at it because I started looking at them and I was like, these are basically just Pathfinder spells in space, which is fine. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crazy about about that in either way. Yeah. Um. I think. Uh, I think that's about that for the Mystic. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I don't have a lot of, uh, uh, I don't have a lot of uh, stuff to say. I feel like. All right. Well, I think maybe we should uh, move on to our weeks. Yeah. Sure. 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 Uh. uh so how have uh, how have things been? How have you been up? How have how have you been? They've been they've been pretty good. It hasn't been a super long time since we last recorded, but I did uh, play some Absolver this morning. Um. It was, uh, this is the day it comes out, for those of you peeking behind the curtain. Um, that game is really interesting. Um, it's like a 3D, it's, it's like a, a 3D fighting game in the style of Tekken, but it's open world, so you kind of run around, you find enemies, and then you lock onto them and you fight them with this complex fighting system that isn't, it's not like a fighting game where like there, there's some skill to the input. You kind of build out your, your fighting style. It's called, You call it your fight deck, but you assign moves to different buttons, and you uh, kind of float between them. And I haven't gotten super deep into it, but it's super intriguing. Um, and the world, it's kind of... The, the world does that open-world thing where, like, it's not massively multiplayer, but, like, you'll... Like, people... Like, strangers will just kind of appear in your world up to, like, a certain threshold. Like, it won't be, like, WoW levels where you have got, like, 30,000 people running around inside a glade. Um... But it'll be, like, I think what Destiny 1 was aiming for, which is, like, uh, you know, like, you're, you're walking around and then a, another dude's just kind of there and it feels like a living, breathing world. Um, and it works pretty well for uh, for Absolver. Um, there's not a lot of direction in Absolver. Like, it's not like I've got a quest to do anything. I'm just kind of running around, fighting people, exploring, picking up gear. Um, you learn new moves by by fighting other people and defending against their moves. Um, and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm super enjoying it. Um, it's a very unique experience. Like I, I played for about an hour. I, I did the intro stuff. I started running around. I killed a few people and there's some dudes running around and the guy just like beckons to me. I'm like, okay, whatever. And I followed him and then he partied up with me and some other guy and we ran around and we killed a bunch of dudes together, had a great time, made it to the next section. And then we went our separate ways, but it, it, it felt very surreal. Um, it's, you know, because there's no voice chat or anything, it's everything's in these kind of, like, uh, emotes. There's no there's no text chat either. Um, I don't know. It, it, it felt very um, serene, too. Like, it's... it's Everything's very rhythmic. Like, the, the fighting, because it's about chaining attacks together, um, 
uh it's 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 almost just like rhythmic trance like beats it's 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 really neat um i highly recommend it and it's also doesn't have a lot of the execution barrier that 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 uh other games have um you know other fighting games like your 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 street fighters and your tekkens um yeah highly recommend it um based on an hour of play it's mostly a first impression i'll probably have more for for you guys next time uh but yeah really impressed um what about you buddy uh what about me i have been playing a couple of things uh i've been playing a lot of hearthstone uh which has been great and super fun i'm playing taunt warrior do you know about taunt warrior uh no you, you so mentioned taunt, it briefly last week but, uh. so taunt warrior is an archetype where essentially uh you get so like so in ungoro they inc they included these quest cards where if you do something kind of enough times you unlock a powerful thing right like it's a one mana card that always starts in your hand um and so the the quest for hero or warriors is to play seven taunt minions and when you play seven taunt minions you get a weapon called sulfurous hand of uh whatever sulfuron hand of ragnaros or something like that it's a four two weapon for three mana uh that that changes your hero power to to two mana do a damage to a random enemy right the ragnaros hero power um and so essentially the deck just kind of you spam taunt minions you just keep playing taunt minions on the board until you clear that and then you just keep throwing you know you just keep throwing two mana into the hero power for maximum value until you win the game um it's a lot of fun people really hate to play against it sometimes like i'll get a lot of times where i'll just load up a game and uh and on turn one i'll drop the quest and i'll just concede um but it's also pretty bad like it's bad against control decks right it pretty much loses against every control matchup uh it loses against a lot of the meta decks right now druid is incredibly overpowered <coughs> in the most recent expansion they added a card called ultimate infestation which is a 10 mana card that that deals five damage gains five armor summon a five five ghoul minion and draw five cards that draw five cards being of course the most impactful version of this right but it's just got such insane value um coupled with a couple of other cards they have a card called um uh it's like infesting plague um which you know, you, the the card is like three mana, summon a one one, uh, or sorry, summon a one five scarab with taunt. Um, recast this minion until recast this spell until you have as many minions on the board as your opponent, right? Um, so that completely shuts down aggro decks, right? Ultimate infestation completely shuts down control decks, just with like insane value. Um, there's also a card that uh, dates back to the Mean Streets of Gadgetzan. Uh, uh called jade idol which is a one mana choose one um either summon a jade golem which is kind of a mechanic in and of itself um or shuffle three copies of this card into your deck that allows the druid deck to kind of go infinite right so your fatigue druid by the way you can just keep shuffling jade fucking idols in there uh, right yeah you can just keep shuffling jade idols in there to um uh to make sure you never fatigue sort of thing uh but the way that a jade golem works is every time in you every time you summon a jade golem it gets plus one plus one compared to like the last time you summoned it so the right. first one is a one one the second one is a two two the third one is a three three um and with the, that jade idol you can just outlast anyone because eventually you're just playing like fucking 2020s for one mana um so you know there's that uh druid is insanely overpowered 
people are really complaining about it on the Hearthstone subreddit. I'm very in inclined to agree. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that people are complaining on Reddit? Yeah, and so a lot of the time I feel like the complainings, the, com the, the complaints are just stupid. Um, but these ones feel pretty legit to me. I've been watching a lot of Hearthstone streams recently, um, and just druids just wreck everyone, right? You know, people are trying to play these, you know, alternate uh, alternate decks, uh, alternate uh, deck types, um, and they they just kind of can't they just kind of can't find. Uh, solutions to you know the different druid decks right all of the top decks are just druid decks right you kind of have jade druid which is all about recycling those jade cards um you have what's called <coughs> excuse me big druid which is essentially just ramp druid um and then you just play big shit um and uh, uh and then you also have token druid which summons a lot of little guys and then you buff them with stuff like uh uh power of the wild give everything plus one plus one sort of thing right so there's just, it's just no there's just lots of lots of rough 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 days sounds like fun uh anyway besides that fuck what else i've been playing i've been playing something else um you playing the destiny 2 beta no i didn't actually i haven't even installed it all right i've got it installed i haven't played it yet yeah, I, I actually kind of don't know that I will, to be honest. Um, I, a lot of the time, I feel like uh, betas, like when I've played in betas before, they, they a little bit ruin my taste for the game. If they're, you know what I mean? Like, if it's just one, and this is what the Destiny 2 beta seems to be, where it's just like a small kind of subsection of content. Um, yeah. Like, a lot of the time, it's like it's enough to sort of fill me up on the game in general because I don't get the chance to interface with, like, all of the systems at once. But, like, I don't, yeah, I don't no, know I'm I, explaining that. that no, that. I, I, I definitely understand what you're getting at. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to play it either. But uh, I, I don't know. I figured I'd at least download it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, part of me wants to try it just to be, like, just to, like, be sure that, like, I want to get it. Um, that way I can get my sweet cryo rifle, uh, for pre-ordering, uh, whatever the hell this thing is. It's a purple gun with, like, spinners on it. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. Um, so, were you playing anything else? Uh, a little bit of Total War. I started up new, um, games of... The vampire counts and of the uh, uh, of the dwarves, just because I haven't played those guys in a long time and I just wanted to. Um, I'm mostly just sitting here waiting for Total War 2 to come out. I'm just incredibly hyped for that game. I want to play it so bad. There's actually a ton of drama about that recently. Do you want to hear about this drama in the last five sure. minutes of the cast? Okay, so one of the community members, um, like like the members of the community team for the Creative Assembly, it's a guy named Darren, right? Uh, Darren does, you know, like, he does some Let's Plays or whatever, right? So, like, so there was a, a, a Dark Elves game, uh, and he just kind of did, a, like, a Let's Play to show you about ten minutes of the Dark Elves campaign and what, like, the Dark Elf mechanic was. You know, a little bit later, he would do uh, kind of, like, battles and stuff like that. He has been a really long time Total War uh, player, like, 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 member of the community, right? He was doing YouTube videos and reviews and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and so... He had just announced that he quit uh, Creative Assembly, right? 
which is, you know, which happens. He's like, I'm going to quit Creative Assembly. I'm going to join YouTube, right? And he's essentially talked about becoming a Quill 18 sort of kind of reviewer where like he sticks with games right like his his thesis is essentially right like games aren't one and done they're not like movies in that way you kind of need someone to stick with a game because a game on launch is very different to a game two years out of launch yeah, yeah. so i'm going to pick a subset of games and i'm going to stick with those games and review kind of everything that comes out for them which i actually think is very smart i follow a lot of kind of reviewers who do this kind of super specialized um uh uh you know, like, way that they, like, process the, the like, sure. the content, right? Uh, and in that video, he said something along the lines of, like, I'm not going to go into it now, um, but, uh, you know, uh, Total War uh, has been, you know, like, like the most... Like, Total War has been... Uh, Total War Warhammer has been, like, the most successful game for the Creative Assembly, but I also feel as though the features, uh, like, like, the game features are... Um, decreasing between the total war games um and so when i see you know a huge you know you know like a huge influx of money coming into a con uh, to a company um but then the feature list keeps getting smaller and smaller um that to me signals that the that, that to me signals that the company is not like turning around uh those those profits to make a better uh to like to make a better product for the consumer right so kind of very bare, very bare bones right guys like jim acquisition right total biscuit kind of talk about this sort of thing um plenty um and uh and so a very bones kind of like consumer advocacy sort of like stance or whatever it's like okay you know like man maybe that's a little Ooh, it's a little sharp edge for a guy who just quit this company, but you know, like I kind of get it, and I appreciate that he's really sticking up for the little guy. And then he has his very first stream, which he called his venting stream, and he basically just like shit all over the company, right? And it was just like talking so much smack about it, right? Um, there was at one point where he was looking at the credits of the Total War Warhammer team and talking about how you know. First, guessing at guessing at what certain people on the animation team were kind of making, in in from the from the perspective of like he was like yeah like it's bullshit that like this famous unit right which was the Jabber Slythe from the uh, uh, from the Beastman army like it's bullshit that this famous unit didn't come released with like the Beastman content pack um, or whatever and uh, and then he was like and then he was like yeah like I mean what would it what would it have costed. Right, like these are all the these were all the animators. This is probably a ballpark of what they're making, right? They should be hiring more animators and all this stuff. And so just incredibly, just like incredibly burning bridges and like going in on uh, on the creative assembly. There eventually had to be a mod, uh, like a heavily moderated discussion thread on the Total War subreddit because it came into such like just insane drama territory the top the, the top comment of which says i'll say this i sure do hope this youtube thing pays off for darren because he's not getting work in the industry even if he wanted to yeah. i expected something a lot tamer from that stream but this is something else burning bridges left and right and throwing total war warhammer and creative assembly under the bus with a whole lot of bile on top maybe i'll get downvoted this but you know i'm right you watched the same stream i did right um and uh so the, the, the community has, and to its credit, because I also disagree a lot with Darren um, on his points, uh, the community has come to the defense of 
the Creative Assembly team, um, mostly from the perspective that I've talked about before on the podcast, which is they really listen to the feedback, right? They've done some shitty things, and I think their DLC is priced too high, you know what I mean? They, like, and, 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 and whatever else. But um, they have always been very good at kind of responding to the criticism, responding to the feedback, and changing things up in order to... Um, <coughs> excuse me and changing things up in order to kind of compensate for that right uh and i think that that deserves uh that deserves a lot of uh, a lot of respect on top of that i think uh darren is not properly rating the difference between total war warhammer and uh like different total war titles total war rome 2 is kind of famous for this um but that game has just like a ton of like animations that are recycled between because they're all humans right you know and so it's humans with sword and shield humans with axe and shield or you know whatever else it is um the different animations that go into a dwarf that go into a goblin that go into an orc that go into you know the warhounds that go into the mammoths that go into the dragons right that go into dryads and treemen and treekin right all of that stuff is not significant and i think that the total war team uh deserves a certain amount of uh, uh respect i guess for you kind mean, of you mean not insignificant right oh yeah i'm saying yeah not insignificant right yeah i need a double negative that bad boy up <laughs> it's not significant uh, they're all trash <laughs> fuck you <Yeah. laughs> so that's my uh, so that's that's the that's the drams that's the drams it's fantastic neat well the killian experience just put out a video about his uh his uh i guess it's uh it's a chaos warriors campaign um it's not real it's him doing his stupid stuff he's the guy that did shit wizard um i posted it earlier in one of our chats buddy i don't know if you saw it but it's very funny and so I will post that in the description. Is that the so that's the Arca uh, that's the Archeon Archeon the Ever Chosen Archeon? Yeah, I saw. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't actually watch the video yet, but I did see that you. Uh, I did see that you posted. By the way, while we were recording this podcast, in fact, four minutes ago, they just confirmed that uh, that uh, Tomb Kings uh, is going to be DLC for Total War Warhammer Two, which is you know everybody knew that, but that's very cool. I'm super excited. Tomb Kings are like Egypt. Um, yeah and uh and so that's awesome they're like the other undead right yeah yeah they're the other undead uh but they also have shit like war sphinxes and shit um and like they have like uh like their cavalry some of their cavalry are like real cavalry and they like ride like horses but some of their cavalry ride um uh like these big undead snakes and it's awesome they're just, they're very cool. They're, very they're cool. somehow related to the Von Karstein somehow, right, in the lore. I remember reading this at some point. I do believe that the very first undead guy, you know, like, they, they all they all date back to the very first guy right, who kind right. of, like, figured out necromancy and undeath and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like that's the, that's kind of, like, the connection, like, the connecting point. I, be, I believe they've warred a lot with the Von Karsteins. Um, there's also another group of vampire counts called the Strigoi, um, who are basically ghouls and, like, cryptors and shit like that, uh. um, that also fight with the, uh, with the Tomb Kings a lot, because they're right next to each other. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that was before, uh. Sigmar rode the core of the old earth through space and the frogs went into space with their spaceship temples. Yep. Uh, and the age of Sigmar happened. <laughs> um, I remember reading about that and being like, what? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people remember reading that and being like, 
what? <laughs> <laughs> all right then. Well, um, I think that's all we have time for, unless you want to, to share nope, a more spicy. Got, that's 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 it. That's that's the spicy drams. Um, well, um, in our final reminder, it is uh, one week before the episode one hundred spectacular. Get your questions in at podcast at some Um. That or some derps play games at gmail.com, either one. We've got a couple of questions in the winning, but we need more. Um, I'll be very sad if we have to invent questions from fake people to answer, so please send in your questions. <laughs> um, Anything and everything is on the table. Yeah. Yeah. I literally told my roommate, friend of the cash, Charles, that he could write a question that said, Why are you so gay? Heh. And we would probably answer it. So. <laughs> I, you know, I bet we would actually spend a lot of time on that question. We probably would, knowing us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> friends of the cast did not watch Mango and I argue back and forth in Facebook chat about, like, a meme about Star Wars. Wars yes. Yeah, like, for, like, three days. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. I'm a little bit proud of that conversation because I always feel very good that, like, you know, like thinking critically about things, right? And really digging deep on just like everything is important. But then there's also times that I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing with my life right yep. now? <laughs> like, ah. anyway, uh, uh, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. Um, send in those questions. Um, try and bait us into arguments. It'll be great. Um, look forward to that next week. You can rate us on iTunes. You can comment anywhere you can ask us questions anywhere if you send me a tweet with a question in it i'll make sure to read it um if you leave a review with a question i'll answer it there too you know or will answer it I'll, I'll collect them from far and wide um near and far so so get those questions in um also I, uh we have the death note episode coming up yeah, that'll probably uh, so, be 101. Yeah, so watch that. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you want to... Uh, and, and, then we're, and then after that, we have the Star Wars episodes, which are the other things that are planned. Oh, yeah. I figure we we're, we're going to start on the prequels uh, in September, uh, and then we'll move through... Yeah. When does the new Blade Runner come out? Oh, do we want to do the new Blade Runner as an episode? I feel like we should. I oh, do, it comes like, out... Uh, it's in it's October. October. So we got some time. Good. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like Blade Runner is enough part of the, the nerd canon. Maybe we want to do, like, a, like a Blade Runner and a Blade Runner 2049 episode, like, like together, yeah, combined. Yeah. I, I, have, I, I just don't think there's a way to talk about Blade Runner 2049 without talking about, about Blade, Blade Runner. Runner yeah, one. yeah. I love Blade Runner, the first one. I've actually watched, like, multiple different cuts uh, of the first one just to see the difference in those cuts. Uh, um. I've read about <laughs> the differences. I've, Wait, I've have, only... you, have you... Have you seen Blade Runner? Yeah, I, I've only, oh, I've okay. only, I've only watched the like the 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 one that everybody says you should watch. Whatever. The it final is. cut, yeah. Ridley yeah. Scott's final cut with the, yeah, with yeah. the fucking unicorn at the end. Yeah. He's a replicant, you guys. No, nah, he's not. Spoilers. Nope. He's, he's a replicant. Mango. Nope. Rid. Uh, nope. Rid. Mag Ridley Scott just changed his mind later because he's 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 a hack. Did uh, Ridley Scott change his mind later? Because there's the interview where he says, there's like, the, like, there's an interview where... Dude, Harrison, like, Harrison Ford and the screenwriter are like, he's not a fucking replicant. Fuck well, you, no, no, Ridley no, no, Scott. Because no, there's a there's an interview where somebody, like, asks Ridley Scott, I think it was, like, during, like... It was, like, during some other thing, and he's like, by the way, I just wanted to ask, right, what does the unicorn at the end of, like, the, the director's cut of Blade Runner mean? And he's like, it means he's a replicant. 
And like the, 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 the interviewer was like, what? That, what? Like you just answered the question? And he's like, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know that I, I don't know that I necessarily trust Ridley Scott one way or the other. I think the story is much better if Deckard is a, is a replicant, which is why that's the interpretation that I go with. I, I don't think uh, it matters at all. I don't think it changes, it really changes the story that much. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about this in our Blade Runner episode. Uh, uh, <laughs> triggering me. <laughs> triggering me, Mango. <laughs> so chew on that tasty morsel until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. I feel like this is just you being contrarian in the same way that I get contrarian about things. You know what I mean? Like, just to kind of, like, fight the fight. Ah, uh, God, he's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs>